welcome to the Modern Maker Podcast for Thursday, June 11th, 2020, otherwise known as National Corn on the Cob Day. All right. Keep that corn on the cob and celebrate everybody. Corn on the cob is actually tasty. If you grill corn on the cob, you butter it, but it is a lot more work. And then you got to floss afterwards. Well, it's it's work to eat. There's there's, flossers paradise right there. There's cleanup work you got to take care of. Yeah, exactly. It's a flossers (laughs) paradise. I always consider, man, as a kid, we always considered corn a vegetable. And now I'm thinking of it as an adult as more of a grain. So I don't eat as much because I don't eat that as much starchy food as I used to. Right. But it's not really a vegetable like nutrition wise. It's pretty much just like starch. Are there a lot of vitamins like in corn? If it comes out of the ground, it's a vegetable to me. It's my new... <laughs> that's, that's it. Zombies, <laughs> zombies are vegetables. Right. But corn on the cob is a tasty treat. But I agree with you, Mike. Grilled is the way to go. No doubt. There you have it, people. All right. <laughs> Enough corn on the cob. What's going on? What have you been building anything, anybody? Come on. Well, well, I'm I'm still working on the bus. Nothing new has changed. So I really wanna I wanna talk about what you guys are building until I have a good announcement. What do you got, Chris? Nice. Uh so actually finally for the first time in several weeks, I did build something this week. I pretty much had the plans are done. And I think we were talking about last week how like now after hundreds of hours of putting this together, I was like, now I have to do the whole YouTube video. And there's not like a super rush to get it done. So I was like, all right, I need to just like step away from this for a week or something and do something else. So there's a bunch of stuff that we needed to do to organize the shop and that I've been wanting to make some videos on. So by about Wednesday last week, I would say like midway through the day, I felt like, okay, I kind of don't have anything to do for the rest of this week if I'm not working on the plan. So I'm going to just, I'm going to get cracking on that stuff. So I started building like this um, storage thing to organize like all of the tools that I have that are in sustainers. I just wanted to come up with a uh, a better way to do it. And then some kind of clamp storage solution as well. Oh, sustainers so, are those Festool boxes. Yeah, like Festool and a lot of tools come in them now and they're like all standardized. Okay. So like, you want to be know, able to you want to be able to put the sustainers away. You're not looking for something to hold the containers. So okay, so here's what it is. So here, here's kind of like the idea of the video is When I first like had the opportunity to like really start organizing my shop, and I think a lot of people do this, is like the first place that your head goes is like, I'll just build like some big thing with like lots of shelves or whatever, and I can just put stuff in it. And so I did that. And I feel like that solves like 75% of your problem. But then what I found was like, so so I'll just talk about the sustainers since that's what I already brought up. Is so I basically built this like big long thing that has two sliding drawers where I keep them. And so what always happens is anytime me or Sean needs to use one of those tools, we open it up, we pull out the sustainer, we take it to wherever, or we leave it on the ground in front of the cabinet. We start using the tool. We know that we're probably going to have to get it again in like four hours or tomorrow or whatever. So we end up not putting it away. Because you know that you're going to get it. And it's like just inconvenient enough that it just like sits around and then you end up moving it 10 times throughout the build. And so what I want to do is make it where like all of the sustainers that we go to frequently are where I I can get the tool out of it without even having to take the sustainer. So the sustainer just stays in its place. And then that'll be like a very easy place for me to go put the tool back into the sustainer and not be like, oh, do I really want to pack it up or whatever? And, you know, there's only a couple of tools that we do that with. And so like if I build it right and 
organize it in a way where those tools are like on the tops of, of each column of sustainers, I guess, then like we'll very rarely have to like pull through and, and take a sustainer with us. And if there's ever a reason that we need to, it's easy enough to just grab it and take it with us. So that's kind of like, I guess it's like going a level deeper on like starting to organize things of like, not just being like, there's a place for everything to go, but how do I actually use this stuff and what's going to make me work efficiently and like have it where I don't just like pull something out and leave it until the end of a project and then clean everything up. Right on. I, d- I like it. It's probably a good idea though. Like what you were saying, doing a video in between doing the big plan edit and all of that sort of stuff and the YouTube video yeah. for that project. Yeah, for sure. I mean, I'm sure you can relate to it with the bus. Like you're so you entrenched get in, it. in it that like yeah. every once in a while you need to like just step away from something even like within a video i think we've talked about this before but like you'll just like lose like the macro view of it if you're too entrenched in it you need to just like step away for a day and do something else and then come back to it with fresh eyes so like i feel like i'm at that point where it's like i need to i need to do something else for a little bit and then i can like i'll feel motivated to come back and do a really good job with the youtube edit right on and there's always a million shot projects so that's perfect for sure. Yeah, yeah, I'm in a I'm in a similar spot. Like I've been doing a lot of editing. The paver video with those custom pavers with the planters is all done. Just getting ready to launch it. I'm not sure when I'm going to launch it. I'm just kind of waiting to see, you know, everything that's going on in the world, when's a good time. But it's all done, so it'll be out soon. And I was gonna get started on editing the table video right away, because that's the other big project I was working on. But I was just like, man, it's like the weather's pretty nice right out right now outside, especially in the evenings out here in Joshua Tree. I'm like, I, I want to get back and just build something. So I started working on a project that I've been thinking about for quite some time. So I've wanted to make a floating bed. And this is going to get into our discussion for the day is like how gimmicky is too gimmicky. Mm. So I've always wanted to make a platform bed where you can't really see how it's supported so it literally looks like it's hovering in the air and for the headboard for it i've uh, been talking to advantage lumber and they have an offshoot called i think this is woodslabs.com oh yeah and they sent me a couple really nice slabs one of kumaru so like double live edge and a so they sent me a kumaru one to use for the headboard and a white cedar one that's that's even bigger so the white cedar one is two and a half inches thick because it's a soft wood and it's got some big checks and splits in it oh so nice i could use either one and i haven't really picked the kumaru one is like a little more like high end but it's not quite as wide it's a narrower tree so the mattress you know i'm using a tufted needle mattress which is 10 inches thick so the kumaru one is only about 18 to 19 inches <laughs> wide so there wouldn't be that much of the the wood up above the pillows and the the white cedar one is massive it's like seven or eight feet long and about 30 inches wide so i googled white cedar because i hadn't i had never heard of it before i knew of western cedar or aromatic cedar and and there's some other type of stuff that i had seen but this has a really really i mean if you could imagine just by the name a really really light color to it it doesn't have that whole yellow problem that a lot of cedar has or that purple color it almost looks like really soft eucalyptus in color yeah it looks really cool just off of what i'm seeing on google images and wood you know, slabs, that place is really cool because you get to actually see the picture of the, the slab. slab you're buying. It's right. not just a generic photo of like, all right, 
here's, you know, here's what species it is. It's like you're looking at the picture of the slab you're buying. Right. So shout out to wood slabs. You know, real quick before we move on, I will say conversely, I Googled Kumaru slab because I've never heard of (laughs) it. It looks kind of like walnut. Yeah. Or more like teak in coloring, like a little bit lighter. It's it's so hard to tell how dark a brown is in in a photo sometimes like yeah, especially also with or without finish because it right changes quite a bit but yeah it has that same it's in that same family at least visually a little so, while back you got some kumaru and another tropical hardwood kind of decking material and we've used that used that for a few projects the, the kumaru is um, really nice what what was the other one other than kumaru that you had gotten tigerwood and ipe so how were all of those different all right so Garapa is, is, is the third one. Garapa is almost yellowish. They're all tropical hardwoods. So that means they're all super dense, tons of oil. You have to use certain finishes on them because the it's interesting, right? If you use like a regular linseed oil or Danish oil, the oil isn't heavy enough. So it floats on top of the wood because the oil in the wood is denser than the oil that you're adding to the top. So it just oh, like wow. beads up on top of it and doesn't soak into it. Got it. So you got to mm-hmm. use teak oil, which has a higher density to really soak in. So that's what they have in common where they're different is the color. So a lot of people know Ipe, which is kind of like darkish and dark brown to with a little, little bit of reddish tints in it sometimes. Ipe is more expensive because it's the most name has the most name brand recognition. Got it. I actually think Ipe is the ugliest version. So for me, Kumaru is the nicest has the nicest grain. It's like a medium brown, darker than beech, but lighter than walnut. And it has every once in a while like a little bit of like a blonde streak in it. Not sapwood, it's just the actual coloring. And it's pretty inexpensive. You can look at the sort of Advantage Lumber website to, to, to see exactly what that is. But I get the, the finished deck boards. I get the five-quarter ones that are an inch thick. And I've used that for all sorts of outdoor furniture projects. So if well, you want to make really nice like restoration hardware looking like outdoor cabana and lounge chairs, that tropical decking or tropical hardwood decking is like the way to go. I, I can say that if uh, if anybody out there is looking for a good deal on Ipe, I can hear I've heard that you can get a good deal on Ipe on eBay. Oh, do we have jokes. a rim shot drop? <laughs> wait, what did you say? Richard, the editor, put a rim shot in right oh, there. there. Rim, oh, I thought you said rim job. No, no, put no. a rim <laughs> job in there too. Okay, good. We don't pay him that much. All right. So <laughs> Garapa is like the same texture, but it's almost like blonde and a little bit golden looking. Yeah. And then tiger wood is like orange with black stripes. Right. Who would have thought? Yeah. If you could imagine. <laughs> uh, <laughs> Where to get the name. So tiger wood and tiger wood is actually pretty inexpensive. It sounds like it would be like this exotic thing that you get like with like purple heart or something like that. That's like super expensive, but it's actually pretty cheap. You can actually get decking out of it like for a, you know, a reasonable price for wood decking. But so that's where the so I had a good experience with Kumaru with the deck boards. So that's why I considered a slab. I got the two slabs because I just wasn't sure which one I wanted to use. And so you're going to be using this for your floating bed. This is like the the gimmick of all gimmicks. And when it comes to gimmicks, right? So it's going to be a I've always thought just a like I'm not the biggest live edge furniture like furniture guy like i like i like it i think it's nice but i feel about it the way i feel like about like brazilian barbecue it's really good it's great but it's like the gimmick of it all coming under swords i don't feel like adds that much to the experience yeah but 
I thought I'd, I've always thought though that a double live edge slab would work better on a horizontal surface for that piece of furniture. Like I've liked them as like sliding barn doors and stuff like that. Because if it's a table, you don't really get to see it in all of its glory because you're standing and you're looking at it in a foreshortened view. I've always liked it when they're on like a vertical surface, like a piece of art, because you're it's so, it's so graphic. It's nice to see it in that orientation. So I thought yeah. a headboard would be a really good usage of it. But so I was thinking, OK, so how do I just want to do this bed? Well, I've seen a few people I actually saw this a while ago. And somebody actually did a bed where they used magnets to make the whole bed float. And it oh, was wow. like ridiculous amounts of money. It could like fall at any time if it got like moved off. Oh, yes. Yeah, it's got to it's be using like how it, the same way you have those like alarm clocks or all those gimmicky things that float. It's using the yeah. same kind of idea. And they like if you just bump them a little bit, they fall off. Right. So how are you going to do anything on that bed? Like, <laughs> move, you, mean, you know, just, you know, no. whatever. Carefully. <laughs> for real (laughs) so obviously i'm not making a hoverboard bed with jet engines magnets or you know fishing line holding it from the ceiling but i want to say i think if the bed is relatively low to the ground i think there's ways to hide the legs so that if you're just standing there or even sitting at a desk far away from on the other side of the room it for all intents and purposes appears to be floating Mm-hmm. So I've been thinking about this for a while and it's just been figuring out, OK, how do I actually want to do the floating part? So at first, my first idea was just to make a a real the thinnest steel platform possible. Right. So the mattress just fits right on the steel platform, you know, just like one inch tube steel and then some sort of slats in between and then put the legs just so as far as I can into the center so that not so far that if you sit on the edge, it tips yeah. over. But just so that if you're standing up and looking down, the edge of the bed hides the legs. And so you see floor underneath it and it appears to be floating. Mm-hmm. Sketched it up and I'm just like, and then I actually like mocked it up with some plywood and saw like with a plywood platform, how far I could put the legs in before it starts to tip and then sort of adjust it in my mind for the the added weight of the bed itself. And it wasn't very far. So I was like, all oh, right. okay. So I have to figure out some sort of structural trick so that the bed won't tip if you sit on the edge you know especially multiple people doing activities yep so i thought okay well if i'm gonna do this headboard thing i can hide some steel behind the headboard and tie it into the studs of the wall the minute i make that move then it's about how do i structural right then it's like how do i how do i make this really rigid structure that also doesn't cover up the slab, right? I don't want to have it like, you know, steel showing through the slab. So I want to keep the steel as hidden as possible. Mm -hmm. So I have these sort of two things that I'm trying to achieve. One, to create the most floatiest bed possible, but at the same time, keep the slab as the headboard as intact as possible. So I figured out a way to do the structure where it kind of like the slab stays intact and the steel goes from behind the slab to under the platform while the slab still looks continuous. But the trickier thing is like, all right, what am I going to do for the legs? So I have this extra stability by tying it into the wall, but I still need at least one leg about two feet in from the front edge. So it's about, so I'm using just a full mattress. So there's about the the front legs are, yeah, two feet in from all the sides. Got it. Okay. So you won't really see them. The bed's going to be about a foot off the ground, but 
I think I'm going, so at first I thought, oh, I'll just build a structure there and then use mirrors so it reflects the ground plane back to it. Mm-hmm. So I kind of mocked it up and looked at it and <laughs> it looked it looked really cheesy. Oh, yeah. It kind of looked like an 80s hotel room, huh? Right. Yeah. It just looked bad. All right. So and I just mocked it up with that cardboard and some mirrors. <laughs> so then I thought, oh, I'm going to use clear acrylic. So I ordered some one and a half inch thick acrylic. 12 inches high and a 24 inch long piece of it. And then I got the polish so I can polish the ends of it. I'm going to probably put like a, like a one eighth inch radius on it with the router. So it's like rounded. So you don't see that sharp, crisp edge. And then I'm going to, I got this like rubbing compound and polish so I can get it all perfectly optically clear. Nice. So that'll be the one leg. So if you're standing, you won't see the acrylic at all. But if you're sitting, you're a little bit lower, so you can see farther underneath it. You might see a little bit, and that's where the hopefully the acrylic will just in those shadows because it has an overhang will just be masked enough to make it a for a moment to appear to be floating. So the verdict needs to be gimmicky or not too gimmicky. Yeah. I like I said it. That's man. not too gimmicky. Yeah, I do like it. the The thing that I think you're going to get flack for almost more than anything is like. Cool bed. I could make anything sturdy if I tied it into the two by fours behind the wall or something like that. But I like the idea. I think it's like a fun, it's a fun switch. Floating video, like floating projects are actually popping off. I see John Malecki lately. He's been making a few videos with some like, uh, what would you call it? Like optical illusion type things. And those are doing pretty dang good. Like the tensegrity cables. Yeah, I think something like that. Yeah, well, the good thing about making a bed video when you're anticipating negative comments is it is such a good segue for mom and dad jokes. Like, like they're just locked and loaded for anyone for anyone coming at you. So, like you know. what? Better <laughs> <laughs> wait till he gets up. No. <laughs> You'll have to wait and see, Mike. Yeah. Uh, okay. Why don't you go ahead and troll? Oh, him so, when like the like, so like if a comment is, so like if there's a comment, there's like no way that bed will hold up or be strong right. enough. You're like, well, it worked fine with. Yeah, I got your you. dad last night. Gross, Chris, you gotta go. You gotta go. <laughs> so yeah, it's a little, it's a little gimmicky. But so I'm always torn on these things because it would be like the kind of be- it's gonna be the guest room bed for the new house that I'm building for myself. Mm-hmm. And so I think gimmicky for the guest room is like a little bit cool because like if you have a guest, it's like ah. Now they have a reason to be like, oh, check it out, people. Like, look at where I'm staying tonight. This is awesome. Yeah. Slept on the floating bed. Right. Are you going to put LEDs underneath? No. Oh. Like, I'm gimmicky. <laughs> I'm not Mike Clifford gimmicky. Love you, Mike. <laughs> but, hey, Mike knows what the internet wants. Dude, the Mike's internet wants kill- LEDs, okay. dude. All right. And one of the things that I just saw that, like, made me more excited about it is I just saw a picture of the new table he's doing where it's like the concrete and the wood. And then the yeah. acrylic in between, really well done. Like when I first saw it, I was like, oh, I almost thought it was like something that like Concrete Pig did. But yeah, so it's all out of love, Mike. I think you're awesome. <laughs> and Mike's killing the game. Yeah, so I think it's a cool project, man. I like that you're getting away with only using the acrylic on the front feet. Because I'm curious, how much does a, a not a not a Kumaru slab, but an acrylic slab cost? What are those right, run? Yes. So inch and a half thick. I'm looking it up right now. Inch and a half thick, 12 inches by 24 and i got it from e plastics okay are we taking guesses what's going on i'm gonna say like 250 for 12 by 24 12 by 24 by one and a half inch oh no sorry one and a quarter inches thick 
Okay. I'm going $89. 95 bucks. Like oh, man, reasonable. That's close. Not I terrible. I think I win both showcases Dang. according to the how You're close right. I guessed. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> okay, so yeah, yeah. My my verdict, I don't even have any more questions. It is not too gimmicky. I'm excited to see it. It's going to be high risk of corniness mixing like wood slabs and acrylic. But if you can pull it off, it's going to be sweet. But yeah, it's a risky move. It's a risky move. It's risky. It's, I also it's, say, oh, go ahead. No, no. It's, it's, it's like, it's on the fringe of my own taste. Yeah. <laughs> well, it's that idea of like when wood slabs go too far, the thing looks too rustic. And when acrylic and plastic and resin goes too far, it looks like just not rustic enough. Yeah. They have opposite extremes yeah. and so them together it just it doesn't even seem like ben's finding that super thin sliver of the venn diagram right that's what it is it'll that's exactly that's the way to put him. it yeah yeah so okay here's a question then what to date has been your gimmickiest project would you mm. say and then mike what do you got what's your gimmickiest okay that's a good question that's a good question i'm gonna have to look back the modern i mean pic- i'll say my modern picnic table that wasn't gimmick. i know I it's not a gimmick that's that. a joke yeah, someone did. A lot of people have been building it. It gets built all the time. People love that picnic table, man. All right, Mike, get most gimmicky. <sighs> for you or for me? For you. I'm kidding. <laughs> Good question. I'm I'm actually digging through my old videos to see what I think. Right. Yeah, I mean, just to get your brain going. So I remember like you would do ones where you would like pour concrete into something like a, a found object to cast a shape. Oh, yeah. Yeah. What else would you... You did a... Well, here's what I think is gimmicky, right? Like, like I'm interested in your guys' criteria for gimmicky. Because, like, the the found object into a concrete thing, I almost think is, like, it's gimmicky, but it's also so easy that it's, like, yeah. low-hanging fruit. Like, when I think of something gimmicky, I think it's, that like, where you're... Is, you know what? It's, like, flaming shots. Like, if you go to the bar and they're, like, oh, you know, <laughs> you could take a shot of Fireball or a shot of whiskey or... Like, you know what? I want a flaming Sambuca shot, right? Where it's like the lighting of it brings a lot of attention and it's not necessarily making the thing better and it's a lot more work to do. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Okay. So in that respect, I think my most gimmicky project is the white concrete river table. Mm, That was pretty, that was a, that was classy though too. It is swaggy also. So I think that, that is what you need to be able to do with the bed is make something that is a complete gimmick. Like the the concrete river table is a gimmick on gimmick on gimmick, but it looks so sweet. So if you can do that with the bed, I'll be really impressed. Mm-hmm. Not to like hype myself up there or give myself any kind of undue credit. Yeah, I think like my most gimmicky is probably I think. See, I would think it is like the wood fired hot tub or something uh, like that. Yeah. You know what I mean? Because it's like it's it's to me, it's gimmicky because, you know, that's as clickbaity as I feel like I've gotten where it's just like. I know that people would want to see how it works and be kind of interested. And I know very few people will ever build it. Right. So to me, that's like where when I'm actually I'm sure I'm unintentionally gimmicky to a lot of people all the time, which is totally fine. But the only times where I said like, oh, that's gimmicky and let's do it was like, oh, it's been a few times. But like the <laughs> the I say probably like one out of 20 projects. I'm like, oh, that's a lot of work. It's kind of silly. Not super practical, but it's like kind of got something weird and funky about it that's like people will like. Wood-fired hot tub was definitely gimmicky. Nice. I would say I've got 
The crayon inlay stuff is gimmicky oh, for sure. 100%. Yeah. The the Lego inlaid river. Basically, anytime I inlay something into something, it's a gimmick, I guess. <laughs> the The splintered epoxy thing, I guess, would be kind of gimmicky. The epoxy locking joints is kind of gimmicky, but then kind of not because no. like... It was They're just like so a, practical, Chris. You That's saw, right. Because you were like, it wasn't gimmicky because you weren't doing it for that. It was like, you saw that there was interest in these things and then you like, it was more like a technical problem solving thing. Oh yeah, it was kind of a, would it work? Right. I, I wanted to see if it would work. And then like, if it did work, like you could do it very discreetly if you wanted to, to basically just fix joints that weren't good or whatever, or you could use it as an aesthetic. I do have a couple of very gimmicky projects like that I've got written on my whiteboard to do someday, but I don't want to say them yet. If you ever need to really soup low for views. When I, when I need to really dig down and, and, and yeah, just get them views. Give us a hint. Give us a, give us a little taste. <sighs> okay. They're very um, literal, very literal kind of projects. Yeah. Okay. I'll say no more. So like a river table where it's a terrarium with a river. Where I just like throw it in a river. Yeah, there I you build go. it in a river. <laughs> <laughs> well, All right. I think like I think gimmick is normally a pejorative term. Like I mean, there's like yeah. a slight negative to it. But there's also obviously as content creators, there's a certain functionality in novelty, right? Where it's yeah. you know people they're not coming to me for my expert welding, <laughs> unfortunately. So there is there is like a motivation to occasionally dabble in the gimmicky arts, so to speak. But there's also something I think for me, it's like it's the the fine line is like how much I do it and then how much do I want to repeat it? I think it's like the question that I'll always sort of struggle with. Right. So, you know, one of the things that I think, you know, oh, the Kintsugi stuff, I think it was an interesting example of because I did a couple projects early and I still really liked the idea and I didn't really feel like I, I like nailed it. Like I, I didn't get the quite the project right, but I didn't want to do another one because it felt like, oh, I can't be stuck on this like same kind of random idea. Yeah. Yeah. And I feel like some people get really caught up in like Shoshugibon or like one of these techniques that they they know it's like really amazing and they're just they just keep using it until they find like the perfect way to use it that really pops off. So it's it's hard to judge these things in real time because you don't know whether or not you're like hopelessly pursuing something that's just novel mm -hmm. that isn't worth, you know, eight different projects on or it's a really clever idea and you just haven't found the right use case for it yet. Yeah, I would say that like so gimmicks when it comes to like making videos I'm totally fine with it because that's like kind of the whole point of making video. They're mostly to entertain. So like you want to do things that are going to attract people's attention and get them to want to watch that video or, or whatever. I can't think of any like product off the top of my head, but like, is there any tools that you guys can think of that are gimmicks? Like that's when I'd start to be like, okay, this is kind of dumb where it's like making it look like it's solving this problem that doesn't actually exist or something. The Bowflex. The Bowflex? <laughs> Is that a workout thing? I I always think of like fitness equipment when I think of gimmicks, right? Like yeah, yeah actually the first thing I always think of is a Reebok pump. Oh, you know, I like pumps. <laughs> you know cool, what? But that's always like the the go to that example. Is like, I think that of. is like the that's like one of the classic gold standards of gimmicks, the right? Quintessential. Where gimmick. The idea of it resonates in your head, where like you could imagine rather than having to tie your shoes tight, like just inflating them with air until they're perfectly that extra snug. support. But it didn't actually work that well. And they yeah. always ended up like leaking and 
Yeah, it like but they're cool. Yeah, that's a gimmick. I mean, remember the shoes when you walked, they would light up. Yeah. yeah oh yeah. yeah. That's some. That's some gimmick. <laughs> things are still cooking, man. Kids still wear those. Yeah, that kind of stuff. I feel like. Is there a tool example you guys can think of? Hmm. Mm, I don't think so. I don't think like the woodworking audience in particular is very gimmicky outside of river tables. No offense. But like, <laughs> the, I think everyone, it, I think it's because the the interest in the subject matter, maybe like you actually have to do it. So, you know, I don't know. Yeah. I mean, what about like shop aprons? Eh, just, I mean, I don't personally wear one, but I, sometimes I'm like, it would be nice to have a bunch of pockets that I could throw stuff into right now. Yeah. It's the cargo pants of the workshop. Yeah. And then there's those <laughs> things like a pocket hole jig at heart is so gimmicky, but, but it actually but works. It's functional. So practical. And that's the th- I was about to say, and so that's the thing with a lot of the woodworking tools, especially I'm, I'm really racking my head trying to think of things where I've used and I've just been like, this is so unnecessary or like yeah. it just doesn't so, work. But all the, all the, like, all the crappy gimmicks don't actually work. And I think most of the time it's like stuff that. Even if it is that, it's like, well, I could see somebody wanting this, but I'm just okay. not that person. Pocket holes are not a gimmick. They're just like the microwave of woodworking. Yes. Right. Yeah. It's just like faster and more convenient. Is it the absolute best way to reheat a meal? No, but relative to it's the amount of time done. that it takes to heating it up in the oven, pretty yeah. efficient. And comparing it to like the other options for certain situations is great. Yeah. But there's yeah. not. But what is like you remember that one thing called the slap chop? It was the yeah. same same guy that did the sham wow did the slap chop and it was just oh, like boy. you would I throw all the, the vegetables are. in and slap oh, wait, it up. Here we go. No, Ben's the gimmicks one. are those like tools that do like multiple things. Okay. Yeah, a lot of times that could be because it's like But not like a Leatherman, but like something else? No. Okay, straight up hot take Leatherman gimmicky. What what is a le- is it like a Swiss army knife? Yes, but like okay. bigger, heavier duty. Like Gerber makes a, a lot du- that are similar too. Right. Okay. So I think the I mean, there might be models of Leatherman that are great. Like I like the SOG knives. Their plier tools a little bit better. They have one that is just the pliers, a knife, <gasps> and a screwdriver. Oh, oh, oh! I got one. That tape measure that has the pencil in it. Oh, uh, where you like pull it out and then you like mark. You know, they yeah, go yeah, like yeah. Rrr, rrr, and mark it. That's a gimmick. <laughs> Although the drywall guys really like that. Yeah. yeah. Screw them. Yeah, oh, I see what you did. <laughs> nice. No, there, there oh, there's one. Gimmicks. There's like that as seen on TV drill. Have you guys seen this? It's by that company. I could, I think like works. I've oh, been wanting like- to get my hands on one of these for a long time. Yes, it's one drill that you can like you can use a drill bit in, and then the chuck or the head of it basically flips over to where then it has like a oh, driver yeah, yeah. bit. I've wanted to use one of those. <sighs> you know, there's some I mean, multi. See that there's some for- multi-purpose tools that look like something that like Glenn from DIY Creators would make. Shout out to Glenn. Yeah. That like where it's like one tool. It's like a table saw and a rated alarm saw and a lathe yeah, and a exactly. thickness planer. You yeah. just have yeah. to like transform it or like yeah, there's like single tool entire workshop like shopsmith yeah. kind of things. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. That used to those are kind of gimmicky. I mean, you know, I love Ryobi. They've been like my longest sponsor. But if any tool companies, and I've I've told them to this, if any tool companies guilty of some gimmicks, it's 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 them. Yeah, but hey, they swing at least. They swing. Yeah, they go for it. But <laughs> I don't know if we need any more eighteen volt powered floating hot tub speakers with LED lights in them. Mm. No, I still Could have that in the box. <laughs> yeah, well, I just never took it out. You just but- need a pool. 
Ryobi makes a bunch of crazy stuff for it, though. They make like 18 different vacuums, yeah. like <laughs> all kinds of stuff. Straight up, though, the newest one, like the glue gun was like the first one. Where I was just like, yes, this is like I use that glue gun all the time. And then like the porter band, I was like, thank you. That's a good 18 volt. Band. Yeah. Yeah. But so I think it's like it's it's you just don't want to indulge it. You don't want to take like a gimmick is a great appetizer. It's not what you want to be eating for is like 90% of your diet. <laughs> right. That makes me think of like kind of like carving discs as well. Right. It was like the other day we had those like weird potato meatball things that were deep fried and amazing. And it's like, it was really nice because it was like really far away from our normal, pretty healthy maker ranch diet. Right. But for that one day that month, like it was nice to have something a little bit novel and fun, but shouldn't be your, your go-to routine. Totally. Whew. All right, one gimmick that I love, this is not even a gimmick, but when you go to Home Depot and you buy pencils, you can buy a Mm -hmm. pencil that has a pencil sharpener that you put into a drill and it'll sharpen a pencil in like a quarter of a second. I like that. Now, call it a sales gimmick or like an or a little add on to get people to buy the Home Depot pencils. Worth it. That thing is the coolest (laughs) that you can run through a pencil perfectly sharp. Like it gives you the perfect eraser. Yeah, it gives you the perfect point and you can hit it in about a second. Okay, it's something gimmicky if it adds comfort, right? So like something that I always think is maybe not gimmicky, but I've always thought is tacky is like you never seen there might be before your time, Chris or Mike. But Chris, you ever seen where like people used to have like these like seat covers on the their car seats and it'd be like those like wooden, beaded ones. Yeah. Like the wooden. Yeah. Beads. Oh, yeah. They're like <laughs> Never classic one, taxi yeah, cab beads. <laughs> right. That's, yeah. that's, that's gimmicky, but like well, apparently sure. it allows more airflow and they don't oh, get like, it's like stuck to the cushions and stuff like that. Oh, not bad. That actually does make sense. I thought it was so it could like kind of massage your back with those think, little wooden balls. That too. Just roll around on them. But you don't yeah. get, you don't get so swampy. Just like rub it's around like a bear on it. Yeah. So I think that when you get like take yourself too seriously and don't even indulge in any of this sort of the gimmicky end of the spectrum, you can like avoid some ideas that would actually be really good because you're just like, no, but no, that's unproven or that seems like kind of sloppy. Yeah. But you also just don't want to be the person that's all, you know. That's all you're about. I remember I had a friend whose friend had this idea that he would always make fun of him because he thought it was very gimmicky. I didn't know the friend of the friend, but the idea was for painters for the paint roller that on the back of it would be the paint can opener thing. And he thought that was like a billion dollar idea. Okay. So it's just going to get in the way the whole time. Did you ever know, you ever seen those like painter knives? It looks like a putty knife, but it has like the half circle cut in the side. Yeah, I have seen. You know what that circle's for? It's for scraping off the point roller for scraping the excess paint that's all soaked into that back into the bucket. Squeezing it out. Yeah. Oh, duh! That makes perfect sense now. I saw like a video of that, and I felt so dumb. I've seen (laughs) people do it. Now that you even say it, they just never registered. Yeah. How can you use a paint roller like that? Like you'll roll on paint and you'll get like two little uh, stripes up and then you can't get any more out of it. But then when you go to your sink to clean it out, the paint will come out of it for like 10 years. Yeah. Yeah. That doesn't make sense. Well, you just got to start using one of these putty knives. Wait, wasn't that a thing? I don't know if this is a gimmick or not either because I don't do enough painting. But remember there was like a paint roller where like it had a tube that like would like feed paint in from the inside of it. It was like a Wagner thing back in the day. I think they gave yeah, up that, on I, don't, those. I feel like I don't see that anymore. Probably because you know, they I were think, terrible. 
Okay, so I've got a gimmick for paint rollers now that we're talking about that. What if you had some way that it could, if there was like a little, like a, like a plastic piece that could mm-hmm. catch all of the drips or you know how if you start rolling a little too fast, like little, yeah, yeah, little splatters. specks will start flying. What if yeah. there was like some guard against that? Gotcha. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So you just want it to only like a, have like a, like a third like of it is only open. not shield four. Yes. <laughs> I painted a ceiling with my dad not too long ago and it sucks. Yeah, you got a little speckly. Because you, yeah, I was about to say you get speckles all over. And yeah. uh, dad's an aggressive painter. No, I'm the aggressive painter. <laughs> Let's roll this fast. I'm the aggressive everything. <laughs> Gary Gary Montgomery's got that old school technique and skills. Yeah, yeah, just S- general slow and steady boy. I was about to say on. general patience that I lack. But yeah, I think maybe if there's a gimmick for the paint world, I don't think That's it's it. the paint can opener on a roller. No, but, but if there's a splash guard. <laughs> That too. Yeah. Just one (laughs) pre-painted wall, drywall. There you go. There you go. Just put it up and it's done. The the funny part is, is like what I I used to love looking at like a really old 1800s, like Sears Roebuck catalog. And you Mm -hmm. realize that like gimmicky, gimmicky entrepreneurial things that can be like marketed online or in catalogs are it's like. That's as American as it gets, man. We've been like trying to come up with like the slap chop or whatever version of snake oil for for like the longest time. So there's a certain part of me that kind of like really, really digs it. Also, there's like a fun part where like, have you ever seen like the sewing machines where you have the foot pedal? Yeah. Yeah. Like that almost seems gimmicky now, but it was so. Wait, isn't that how they all are? No, like the foot pedal, we actually pump it. Oh, I thought so you were just like actuating the, the speed. The, the needle going up and down. There's no motor. Yeah, yeah, like a bicycle. Right. So the early sewing machines actually had no motor in them. They were all like human powered machines where you sort of like push right. your foot up and down. Those things to me are like really interesting because it's like the, the perspective of time as someone that's never known. I've never known what life was like without electric motors. Now, there's some things now that are motorized that weren't often motorized when I was a kid. But in general, that has always been an option. So when I first Mm -hmm. saw one of those machines, I was like, this is the weirdest thing ever. That seems like such a complicated way to make something that's so simple. But at the time, it was like brilliant and genius and was like 100% practical, no nonsense. But now we almost kind of like, you know, like almost fetishize like the old kind of steampunk technology. And then that becomes its own kind of new gimmick. Not because it was never, a, I mean, it was a great idea at this time, but because we don't need that. And the gimmick is using something that's more antiquated than what actually is uh, necessitated now. Mm-hmm. Okay, so wait, here's, here's another gimmick. question. Here's a, 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 a branch off of this gimmick question. This might be hard to answer. I don't really have one in my head. But can you think of a tool that's like fairly commonplace now that will become antiquated and like... 20 years or something like that. So one that I always think of that would be kind of the opposite of this. If you went back in time, what's it called? Like a reciprocating arm saw? Yeah, radial arm saw. Radial arm saw. Radial arm saw. Yeah. Those were like super, like I think those were at a time more prevalent than like table saws. Right. Yes. So, and I think it was just that they were so dangerous. So the question rephrased is, I've got it. Went out of fashion. Which tool is an endangered species? Yeah. Yes. Okay. So the radial arm saws, listen, I've got the answer on this. I took some time and thought about it, had a couple conversations. I feel like radial arm saws are definitely superior, but the problem is it's just gimmicks and marketing. It's a big machine. Well, it's a big machine and it's not portable. 
No. So of course, once they invented like a miter saw, especially yeah. like a sliding miter saw that you can take to mm -hmm. a job site, that you can take into the room with you if you're cutting some trim, all that marketing and just general, just the market. Yeah, yeah just buying options change. But I still feel like the right. radio arm saw, if all you're wanting to do is cutting a square Dude. board to length, there can't oh. be a better tool. Once you dial it, it into straight and square, it's got to be so reliable. And you normally have them set up to where you just have crazy in feed and out feed on each side that right. if it just seems like the perfect tool, but it's all Dude, just if like, I was doing like, it's dangerous. Don't use them. But Nobody well, was cutting fingers okay, so, off. If people were cutting fingers off that often, then there would have been a big push about like getting rid of them. But nobody cared about well, getting rid of them until they came up with um, a miter saw. Well, here's like a what it might saw. be. And, and, and these might be two different tools. But okay, so first off, like I would love to have one, especially if I made like a ton of cabinetry. Yeah. I would just have one in that had a dado stack in it that was the size of plywood Ooh, and just be like, there's my dado. Cool. Like yeah. anytime. Yeah, that'd be so awesome. But I think what it was, and so this, again, it might be a different tool, was they actually made them where the blade could turn 90 degrees. Right. And so then you used it rip to rip cut also. That. And I think Ooh. that's where it got very dangerous. Yeah, that sounds like a terrible yeah, just idea. shooting missiles yeah, it's through like an the up wall of your garage. Because <laughs> you have no yeah, riding you get, like, knife. It's like an, and it's like an upside down table saw where like instead of the most of the blade being under Close the table, it's over the yeah. table. Yeah. Oh, Lord. Okay, so yeah, that's that a bad be, idea. All right. I do not support that. <laughs> you, you, only cross cut. Here's an interesting category. Now, that's a gimmick that does not work. Here's an interesting question that I think will... For me, it shows a genre of gimmicks. So would you rather have, would you rather have for a compound miter saw? Mm -hmm. uh, and this is more of a mic question. Would you rather I'm have answering. one where it only cuts at 90 degrees, but it's always perfect at 90 degrees, you know, with the full extension of the arm, right? So it's. Yes, that one. Right. Or one <laughs> that you can adjust, but you always have to like double check and then tighten and then hold the square up to it and that. So you can have flexibility. Yeah. Man, I it's to, to me, I want the one with just cuts perfect 90. Make me a tool that does cross cuts that only at 90 degrees that is yeah. always perfect. See, yeah. I want this is what I want. I want a piece of garbage, crappy, cheap chop saw that I could care less about. That I could set to 90 degrees, 45, 15, 10, whatever. That way, if I'm cutting trim or baseboards or something weird like that, and I just need to cut a bunch of stuff and it doesn't matter if it's perfect or not, then I can just throw that around a job site. That can just be the tool that I don't care about. And then mm -hmm. the tool that I actually care about and set up nicely and everything like that, make it a radio alarm saw. Mark my words, I'm but doing only it. Only 90 degrees. Dude. Yes. I mean, Sean and I get the question all the time about why don't we have a miter saw in our workshop? Oh, I bet. And like, I just don't really have it. Like, that was like the one tool that I bought early that I was like, you know, I don't feel like I need this. I'm like just using this for rough cross cutting stuff. Anytime I'm doing something precisely, I always end up on the table saw anyway. So why even have this? Like, I can just be cross cutting with a circular saw or a jigsaw or anything. Yeah. And the miter saw is just like that tool, or at least in my experience, where it doesn't matter if you set it up straight at the beginning of the day, somehow you are not cutting square by a the end of it. A fly lands on it. Yeah. Then. There's something that happens to where like, 
it'll go out of square one direction at the start of the day and then you'll be working and realize it's out of square in another direction later on in the day. I don't know how they, I, I don't know. I just had a lot of yeah. bad experiences with them. Made, I try and avoid them as often as I can. I just like using a speed square and a circular saw now most of the time. And for the love of God, like anything where you have to adjust an angle, make positive stops at 90, right. 45, oh, yeah. 15, and 30. Like, Twenty-two. This and a idea half. that it's you're like, one. let me just line up this thing and then tighten, oh, yeah. tighten a screw on a machine that vibrates. Like, <laughs> no, <laughs> not happening. Nope. I, hey, I got, I got one that could become antiquated. Although this could get into legal stuff, not from our perspective, but th- that why it might. So, to me, like, I can't really think. I'm sure there's a reason, a, a, a scenario where you would, but using a biscuit joiner instead of like a domino uh-huh. other than like the oh, price obviously nice, rich guy <laughs> no, yeah well, that's wow, so maybe yeah, so way to flex. domino I mean, is yeah. probably yeah, it's only like 1200 bucks you go bucks, pick up new maybe. dominoes and your rolls royce yeah so, and honestly if you're gonna spend 1200 you might as well just spend 1500 and get the xl right yeah. well i i take my ferrari yeah. but anyway <laughs> what so that's why i said it might get into a legal issue is that I'm pretty sure that like if there were it, maybe there's a patent that they have on it. And if that patent wore out and all of a sudden Ryobi and DeWalt and everybody and their brother was making a domino, I'm sure they'd pretty quickly become $250 yeah. for one of them. Oh, yeah. And then that could make the biscuit obsolete. I don't know. There, maybe there's a reason that you would use a biscuit instead of it still. But like I've in, I don't know, 10 years of woodworking have never used a biscuit. I've used, I've used a biscuit joint a few times. like. They're great. Could you have used the domino in that scenario? Yes. No, because it was a three-quarter inch. Like, it, how thick are the dominoes? They, they make them in all different oh, okay. sizes. The smallest ones are like four millimeters thick, so they're very small. Yeah, the nice – I always just used biscuits when I was like joining three-quarter inch thick boards and just wanted to keep them in plane. It was it, – it's mm-hmm. all, actually always been like a pretty easy tool for how cheap it is and yeah, for like splicing any boards together for a tabletop, it's always – yeah, been. I've always been a Daljig man myself. That's right. It seems like that's the that's the accessible move. You yeah, already got a sure. drill. Hopefully, if you're building stuff, yeah. <laughs> like hopefully. I don't know what you're building if you don't have a drill. So I'm a hammer man. <laughs> I'm a hammer, hammer and nails, nails type of guy. But yeah, what tools? What tools will go extinct? I mean, oh, I okay. wonder if at some yeah. point there. And, and this is where, like, this might be gimmicky, right? But at some point, do you think they'll ever be able to combine a drill and an impact driver into one tool where it's just a mode <sighs> setting? Or would it be so compromised that it's better to have two separate tools that are just good at what they're good at? I think that they can because like, I know that I have a drill that has like a hammer functionality in it. Right. I think that they'll always be the two just because of like, unless they make the drill version of it a lot smaller because the impact drivers are always quite a bit smaller. Yeah. And then also just the fact that like, you want to anyway, so that you're not using the tool that Mike was talking about where you're switching it back and forth. Right. Yeah. You just don't want to have to, to actually switch out bits. Yeah. There's one that, Ooh, one that sticks out. It's already on its way out. And that's like those, those quarter sheet palm sanders. Yeah. Like there was a moment uh, in so time, like, there was a moment in time when like the circular pad random orbit sanders like were premium. Right. Cause they're And soft. everybody had the quarter sheet sanders that worked like, 15 percent as well they're so much yeah. less aggressive yeah yeah that's one where like shout out to ryobi and the black and deckers of the world for like bringing bringing Hold that technology down. down yeah bringing bringing that technology down 
Well, so that would be, so I've never had a sander that was good at getting to inside corners because I always use random orbit sander. I know that like even Mirka makes like one that's almost like, I don't know what you call it, but it's like pointy almost. So you could get into corners. Like a cat sander. Yeah. Yeah. So maybe, I don't know, maybe, maybe they'll always be there for that. I don't know. Yeah. But maybe as a specialty tool or something like that. Yeah. It'll be, it'll become something different Mm. where it's not just like the most common type of sander or whatever. Yeah, what other mm-hmm. tools are going extinct on that endangered list? What's what's on your <sighs> the you know the wall of your shop that like Oh, you know what I wish to go extinct? The flashlight <laughs> in every combo kit for tools. Yeah. Hey, every, I take that thing on walks with me. <laughs> every 18 volt cordless well, kit comes with a flashlight that never gets used. So when I was a kid, like I remember one Christmas, me and my brother were really excited because my dad got us each like mini mag flashlights, were, which were like the first like high quality flashlight because like flashlights yeah. back yeah. then were just straight up trash. And these ones were like, actually good. And they were like really well made, like aircraft aluminum, like well manufactured. It was like it was it was a really cool story of how they were, you know, the company came to be. They said, hey, we're going to do this one thing. It's very much like a Yeti cooler or a Traeger grill kind of story, like hey, most of the things in this category are terrible. Let's just sit down, take the time, and take this one simple item and do it right. But now it's like buying a flashlight just seems like weird. (laughs) Yeah, they give them away for free. Exactly. You get them all for free as swag. And plus, you just have your phone. It's like watches. Everybody checks the time with their phone. Right. So it's not so much that they went extinct, but they got like inflated into like relative meaninglessness. Yeah. Yeah. Now, here's not something that's going away, but something that I'm noticing the quality go up even amongst all the budget brands that Home Depot and Lowe's is selling is like table saws. There was also mm-hmm. that wave, I don't know, maybe through the like late 80s into like five years ago where like the plastic body job site table saws were really kind of like the standard option. Mm-hmm. And then there was like the level up where it was like a similar sized body, but it kind of like had what looked like a roll cage on a truck, you know? Yeah. And they're just like way more sturdy, usually have a lot better base. I was looking at Home Depot the other day and they didn't even have that whole like plastic body option anymore. I'm sure you can get them at like Harbor Freight and things like that. But I think manufacturers now are just like, I don't know if it's pressure from the retailers or for, I don't know where the pressure is coming from. It's cool. Like the, the lowest tier table saw is getting a lot better than what it was a while ago. It's a little bit more expensive, but way, way better in terms of quality, it looks like. Hmm. So there's an observation. I don't know what it's worth. Um, it's um. worth something. Hmm. I'm so, what else I'm is trying going to think extinct, of, though? Yeah, like or like what's a tool that like could really use improvement? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because like most things are pretty good. It's very, it's very rare. I'm like, this tool sucks. Hmm. What about an automatic chisel? Well, that here's, perfectly here's cut? something, right? No. When you, when you think of like old cell phones, right? And you think of like the from like Wall Street or Saved by the Bell, the giant brick, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then through technology, we miniaturize them. And now, mm-hmm. if you look at like the history of impact drivers, they've gotten, you know, they've kept the power, but they've gotten smaller and smaller and smaller, which is great because they get into tighter and tighter spaces. So mm-hmm. eventually they'll hit the point of diminishing returns where they're like really just the handle and the driver head and like super powerful yeah. and the battery is really small and fits inside of it and all of that. So there's some things where it's like, it's not that our, like our old 
impact drivers may still work. They'll just be so much bigger that ergonomically, we just have such a better option. We would never choose to use them, even if they had plenty of life left in them. I always think of, this is related to that, but digital cameras having this Mm. same thing where like they kept getting smaller and smaller and smaller to the point where it's like, well, you don't want it to be that small because like you still need the ergonomics of it. Right. So it's like there is kind of like this, there's this cap that like technology can push through, but yeah. that doesn't make sense to push through. There's a great Saturday Night Live Will Ferrell skit where he pulls oh, yeah. out his <laughs> little tiny flip phone. Yeah, <laughs> where that like, like the manager at like the hoity-toity clothing yeah. store. Solid. Awesome. So what are you guys right. obsessed with? Obsessed with. Other than a bunch of gimmicky, gimmicky stuff. <laughs> Reebok pumps, baby. Yeah. Mike, what do you got? Oh man, I don't. I actually don't have something off the top. I'm what? I'm thinking hard. What about you guys? I've got a new album that I've been listening Ooh. to a bunch this past week, which I want to make sure I say the guy's name right because I may. It, Christian Lee Hutton. I want to say it's Hutton. The album is called Beginners. It's like very mellow, which is odd because like that maybe is not the best thing to listen to while I'm building, but that's like what I've been listening to a lot this week mellow acoustic like sounds very like simplified and stripped down when you first listen to it but when you actually like pay more attention to it the guitaring is actually like pretty complex it doesn't sound like elliot smith and i don't know if you guys are that familiar with elliot smith but that was like always one of my favorite artists and he was kind of the same way where it was like very stripped down minimal music but like the guitar playing was like very difficult like yeah it wasn't just a dude strumming an acoustic guitar so it kind of has that same feeling to me. Very good lyrics, good melodies. So Christian Lee Hutton, I'm pretty sure. Album's called Beginners. Hi- highly recommend. Nice. Okay, I'm going to shout out Anna White. She did a small DIY greenhouse, and that is like the title of the video that she made. But it's what, honestly, it's what I was going for whenever I built a greenhouse not too long ago in terms of the general size, shape. I really like the way she built everything. She really built it in a way that is classic Anna White, where the materials go as far as they can, where like uh, the the wood on the walls help reinforce and create shelving, you know, and it's just a lot going on with it. It's a really mm-hmm. cool mix of raw wood and polycarbonate as well. I think Ben, you would kind of dig it. So yeah, that's somebody that definitely doesn't need a shout out. Anna White is the godmother, not the godfather, but she killed it again. So shout out. My shout out will be to Mike Clifford, industrial maker. Check out his building renovation project and that really cool concrete and wood table he just did. Awesome. All right, guys. Well, thanks a ton for listening. This has been the Modern Maker Podcast. And if you want to Give us an idea of something we should talk about. Ask us a question you think we should answer or just, I don't know, maybe want to say, Chris, I love your crayon tables or Ben. I love your, the way you turn everyday items into concrete lighting projects. (laughs) The way you make gimmicks. That's what I was going to say. I love the way you take everyday items and turn them into concrete lighting projects. You can do that. You can find Ben. He's at Benjamin Ueda. Chris is at Four Eyes Furniture. And me, Mike, I'm at Modern Builds. I'm in the middle of renovating a bus into a tiny house. So catch up. I got an Instagram highlight if you want to see it. But thanks, everybody, for listening. We really do appreciate it. The reviews always help the show. Otherwise, we'll just hang out and chat next week. Bye, everybody. Later. Bye.